Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading this evening is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 14, which can be found on page 970 in the Church Bibles. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Eloise, thank you very much. Please do keep that passage open before us. Well, if I may begin by just adding my welcome to that of Paula's from earlier. I was thinking as I was sitting here and uh, just preparing my heart, I suppose, to come and to speak on this subject, I was thinking there really is, there really is not a subject that is more important, but also there is not a subject that is not more exciting. And, um, you know, we really are powerless without prayer. But there's nothing more exciting, and I would like to think all of us have experienced this at some point, and seeing the way that God answers prayer, often in a surprising way, in an unexpected way, and to know that God is at work, and to know that God uses us, and to know that our Heavenly Father wants us to speak to Him, to know that in the mystery of this universe, that in some way, that speaking with Him, and Him leading and guiding us through this means of prayer, is quite remarkable. And yet the truth is, as Paul has already said, it's something that we all really struggle with. I am a poor prayer. I need you to help me, and you need me to help you. But it's crucial and exciting. So why don't we start with prayer, and then we're going to have a look this evening. It's going to be quite practical. We're going to have a look at what Jesus says, because he understands. The disciples, they ask and they help us, Lord. Help us to pray. Teach us what to do. In the same vein, that's what we're saying, isn't it? Lord Jesus, teach us a little bit. Teach us how to pray. We're keen. We want to pray this month, we want to be part of it, we want to be here, involved, but we do need your help, we do need your encouragement. So we come as disciples, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your kindness, and we thank you that you love it when we come to you and you speak to us. You love it like a father who just loves to sit with his children and listen to them and to talk with them. And so we pray as we look at your word this evening that you greatly encourage us in your name. Amen. I don't know if you've, uh, you've seen the, the film Oppenheimer. 
It's a, it's a powerful movie. And I see this evening, it's up actually for a, for a Golden Globe Award. It's been nominated for Best Motion Picture. I notice also that Killian Murphy has been nominated for Best Actor. And many of us will know of him, of course, from Peaky Blinders fame. But his performance as J. Robert Oppenheimer, for me, was magnificent. You know, he draws the audience emotionally into the, into the story and it's a terrifying story, and it helps us to understand why Oppenheimer is known as the father of the atomic bomb. One movie critic says, Murphy flashes his blue eyes, an electric smile, and has a gentle, measured, hypnotically soothing voice. See, that's what good actors do, isn't it? They hypnotically draw us into the story. The Greeks loved acting. And the Greek word for acting is hypocritus, from which we get the very loaded term hypocrite. And this is the word that Matthew introduces to us here in chapter 6. Now I wonder, have you ever been called a hypocrite? It's a, it's a loaded charge it means that, we, that someone thought that, that we were pretending to have virtues or, or morals or religious beliefs that didn't match up with our life. It meant that we were guilty of saying one thing but doing another. It meant that we were not being real. That the person we were pretending to be on the outside did not match up with the real me on the inside. And Jesus says, verse 5, when you pray, you must not be like this. You'll notice it's the same when verse 2, you give. And when verse 16, you fast. Interestingly, all of which Jesus assumes we do as a natural part of our Christian life. Give, pray, and fast. That's another sermon. Now, Jesus here is down on people whose religious practices are fake, who are phony, all show, all pretend. And it's not actually a new theme. See, here in the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is giving us instructions as to how to live the good life as Christians, to live a life in which we flourish as believers. And he's already spent chapter 5 telling us that our insides must match our outsides in the way we are with others. That we're not to be hypocrites. We're not just to pretend to love people, but we really are to love people. And then in chapter 6, Jesus says, in the way we are with God as well, not just with other people. Our inner worlds and our outer worlds must match. Jesus is saying, here, that we're, we're not to be hypocrites in our faith. Let's not love to, to, let's not pretend to love God by playing religious games, but let's love God from the heart in a real and sincere way. And Jesus helpfully actually sets out the basic principle back there in verse 1 of chapter 6. Let me read it to you. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now we all, 
We all pray. Prayer is natural and instinctive. Even atheists. A survey a few years ago in the Guardian newspaper found that one out of five non-religious people pray. Maybe that's one of you, who, you, you, one of you people, one of you persons or someone who, who's, who's here this evening may well fit into that category. Maybe you don't believe, but you pray. And it described how Henry, a self-described agnostic, kneels beside his bed every night and prays, beginning with the Lord's Prayer, before praying for his loved ones. And Henry says, I have no idea if God hears my prayers. At times, I feel like a hypocrite. Now, we all at some point in our lives, we all pray. But at the same time, the truth is, is we find prayer very hard. I love the honesty of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones who said this, There is nothing that tells the truth about us as Christian people so much as our prayer life. Everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. So let me begin by asking a very simple question. Hands up if we find it hard to pray. I think that's just about everybody. Now, in his book, uh, A Praying Life, which I, I can't recommend highly enough, I don't know if you've come across this, Paul Miller, he lists some of the reasons why prayer, uh, uh, why we find prayer so hard. And he gives six reasons. Let me just, uh, let me read those to you. Number one, the minute we pray, all kinds of other things crowd our minds. Two, We're confused about what even makes a good prayer. Three, prayer can quickly become dull. We make a list, but then get bored praying through it. Four, we're used to being busy. Taking time to pray seems so hard when there are so many things to do. Five, nothing seems to happen. If our prayers are answered, we wonder if it would have happened anyways. If they're not answered, answered, why did we pray? Six, When we pray, nobody responds. How do we even know that God is listening? Now, you may be sitting here this evening, and honestly, you do find yourself wondering what difference prayer makes. Now, you you pray away on your own. Maybe you pray with with your partner, your wife, your friends. Maybe you pray in your small groups for the person who is struggling, for the the Christian in another part of the world who's, who's locked up in jail. Now, what difference do our prayers make? Now, surely, God's will is going to be done anyway, isn't it? Now, would it make that much difference if we stopped the monthly church family prayer meeting? No. At one level, God's will will be done. Let me ask the question again. Would it make that much difference if we stopped the monthly church family prayer meeting? Yes. At another level, that monthly prayer meeting is the engine room of this church. And the truth is, is that this church wouldn't function without that prayer meeting. Now, there's mystery here. Somehow, and I can't tell you how, through prayer, our wills align with God's will. Does he change his mind? Is he persuaded by prayer? Again, there is mystery. But we know, each one of us can testify to the fact that prayers get answered. Miracles happen. People get converted. 
See, prayer is where power is. It's why it's so exciting, and it's why it's so important. And it's why we must pray. It's why we need to be a praying church as we go into 2024. Now, I think if we're honest, we all relate to these reasons that Paul Miller lists. And that's what's funny about prayer. We can't not pray. There's something inside us that compels us to pray to God. But at the same time, we don't often know how to pray. Prayer is the the hardest thing we do as Christians. It's why it seems like a, a good place to start as we enter this new year. It's why, as we did last year, we want to to set aside the the rest of this month of January to come, to come to God open-handed in prayer as a way of saying to the Lord, you know, we can do absolutely nothing in our own strength. We are utterly dependent on you, Lord. Come, come hear our prayers, we ask. So prayer is the hardest thing we do, yet it is the most important thing we do. And it's why it's crucial that we listen carefully to what Jesus says about prayer. For he certainly believed that our prayers would be answered. And he certainly believed in the importance of the church family prayer meeting. And here in chapter 6, Jesus has two things to teach us. And let's have a look first then at the purpose of prayer. Now, in verse 5, we're told not to be hypocrites when we pray. Now, Rico Tice, uh, he was a colleague of mine at my uh, previous church, and he told a story. Actually, the truth is, is that there was a group of us, a group of ministers, uh, and we all gathered round, uh, and we were discussing how we felt, to be, felt like such hypocrites when it came to prayer, that our prayer lives really weren't what we thought that they should be. So Rico, wanting, I guess, wanting to make us uh, feel a, a little bit better, confessed to doing something many years ago when he was a young evangelist. And he said he was about to preach at this church, and he was alone in the vestry. And he heard the minister coming down the corridor. So, and he said, I have no idea why I did this. I got up. I turned around, I dropped on my knees, I put my elbows on the seat, and I began praying, beginning to, to pretend that I was praying. There was a knock at the door, the minister came in, and of course, what was his response? Oh, Rico, I'm so sorry to disturb you. Rico said, I, I just honestly, I have no idea why I did it, but I can say this, I've never been invited back. <laughs> you know, it's amazing, isn't it? Truth be known, it's amazing, particularly around this whole area of prayer, the lens that we'll go to to impress others with our own spirituality. And the hypocrites in Jesus' illustration, do you notice where they stood? They stood on the street corners. Why do you think they did that? So they could be seen by double the number. You know, we know that we are all capable of this level of hypocrisy. And probably... Many, if not all of us, have stories that make us cringe even now when we think about them. That's why Jesus says there, verse 6, pray in private. That's the starting point. Pray in private, not to impress. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, here's the the danger that Jesus wants to address. Don't try to impress others with your relationship with God. 
It's so easy, isn't it? We can be tempted to do this. We can be tempted, can't we, to, to do the right thing, to serve, to worship for exactly the wrong reason, to improve our reputation for holiness. And don't do it, says Jesus. Now, Jesus here, he's not condemning all acts of public worship. We're engaged in one right now. He's saying that our relationship with him must not be based on a desire to impress others, but based on a desire to give God the glory. And you'll notice both motives have their reward. Verse 5, if we're motivated by a desire to impress others, then that's all we'll get. That'll be our reward in full, the praise of others. But if we're motivated to pray in such a way that gives God the glory, we'll get the greatest reward of all, God himself. So the lesson here that Jesus is teaching is he's saying is pursue God for God, not to impress others. No, prayer is. Prayer is very much so about seeing things change, about battling our sins and seeing prayer answered. But first and foremost, prayer is about a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's about knowing God more. Now, let me just point something out which I hope you'll find helpful. See, in our passage this evening, Jesus says not to practice our righteousness, our prayers, if you like, before others. Yet if you notice, in the previous chapter, Jesus said, Matthew, there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What's going on here? How come Jesus seems to be saying one thing and then another a few minutes later? Isn't he contradicting himself? You see, the answer lies in, in the fact that it's all about motive. The truth is, sometimes we're cowards. And we, we simply we don't want to pray out loud because we're scared of what other people will think of us, that we're, we're not eloquent enough. We're not, we're not cleverer with words. And we won't let our light shine because it may hurt our reputation. Other times, we're hypocrites. We'll show off because we want people to think more of us. You see, it's possible to either hide or to show off. So let me suggest a, a general rule for us. When we're, when we're wondering, we're in that situation, we're in a little group of people and we can't decide whether or not to pray. Let me suggest this rule to us. We should show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. Now, there is one particular thing that I really do want to say to you, all of us this evening. And the reason is, is because of this quote that I came across when I was preparing this talk from John Bunyan. And it's a quote that I found very challenging. Let me read it to you. You are not a Christian if you are not a praying person. Now let me say, Bunyan here is not saying that you're not a Christian. He's just saying that if you're not a praying person, you're not living as a Christian. So what do I want to, what do I want to say to you? Well, you know, it's the very same thing that I've been saying to myself since I read that quote. Develop the habit, Johnny. Or renew the habit, Johnny, of praying. And let me say to all of you, develop the habit or renew the habit of praying. 
praying in secret. Nobody will ever know that you do this, but God will. And the reward there couldn't be greater. Look at verse 6. This is the promise. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. He'll reward you with himself, with a greater relationship with him. Now look, let's be honest with one another. Everything within us will fight against this. You won't feel like doing this a lot of times. But surely, surely even this evening as we look to these next three weeks, surely there's no better time than now, this week, this month. And you know, this is a, this is a habit worth pursuing, a habit that will pay off like you wouldn't believe. I've been thinking this week about the people who have taught me the most. You know, I, I'm sure there are those certain individuals in your life who have, have had a massive impact on you. They've been so influential that you would even go as far as to say they have changed you. And certainly I've been pondering who those people would be, thinking about what made them so impactful. My dad, good friends. And as I've been thinking about them, I begin to realize that they consistently produced, practiced a few habits. Now, I was at home a, a few years ago. It's probably three or four years ago now. I was just thinking about it even this evening. And I guess it was about 9.30 p.m. Because uh, I've lived away from home now for many years. And um, I was there. It was, it was actually around Christmas, so it was a similar time of year. And um, I realized that my dad had disappeared. And... Um, Honestly, I hadn't noticed, uh, I hadn't noticed um, this particular thing for, for, for a very long time. And I realized that he was still doing, 25 years later, what he'd done when I was younger. You see, my father, in an evening around 9 o'clock, he would, he would quietly slip off out of the house. Now, if you didn't know, you'd think that he'd just gone to stretch his legs. But living with him, I knew what was going on, that he had gone for a walk, yes, around the block, but he'd gone to talk to his heavenly father. You know, come rain or shine, he would slip out around nine-ish from, from my earliest memories and go to speak to his heavenly father. And now for reasons for ill health, he's not able to do that so much. But whenever I see him, he tells me that he's praying. You know, throughout our, our childhood, his instinct in any matter was to pray. And he began the day with prayer. Any issue, big or small, his instinct was to pray. And when he prays, God is so real to him. He's not babbling for the sake of it, like verse 7 and 8. No, he's coming to God as, as one who speaks to his Father. And that's the picture that Jesus gives us here of speaking to a Father. I realize that for some of us, that can be, that can be difficult the idea of God as our, as our Father is not helpful. It's because we didn't get the best of fathers in this world. Yet, we've all seen good fathers at work. And to be honest, there is nothing we want more than a good dad, a good parent, who loves us come what may, is there for us come what may. And this is how God is held out to us by Jesus. And he can speak from experience, of course, because he's speaking of his own dad. See, when we pray, our prize is not just to engage and meet with God. It is to know a father's love. The prize, it's not fame, it's not wealth, it's not popularity. It's a true father. 
Someone who loves you and loves me for who we are. Someone who accepts you for you. Someone who is there for you, come what may. It's where we we get our strength for this life. It's where we get the power to see God's will done in our life. John Bunyan also said, Prayer is the opener of the heart of God and a means by which the soul, though empty, is filled. He goes on to say, By prayer the Christian can open his heart to God as to a friend and to obtain fresh witness of God's friendship to him. You know, there's no safer place in the world than when we're on our knees speaking to our Heavenly Father, knowing he's listening, knowing he understands, knowing he's there, knowing he's holding us, knowing he's keeping us. So the purpose of prayer then is to seek God for God, not to impress others. It's to enjoy the company of our Heavenly Father. It is to be real with God. So our inside world matches our outside world. That's the purpose of prayer. But we still may be asking, how do I pray? So let's look secondly at the pattern of prayer. Now we've already seen that we are to pray privately. And in verse 6 to 8, Jesus is saying, pray simply. You know, we don't have to pray long and clever prayers. One author said, prayer is spilling your guts. It doesn't have to be pretty, the author continues. It doesn't have to be tidy. It doesn't have to be particularly eloquent or even particularly intelligent. Spilling our guts in prayer is how we process God's word to us. Prayer is how we interact with our friend Jesus. Straightforward. We just talk to him in the way that we would talk to anybody else. We moan and we groan, we get frustrated, we get angry. All those normal human emotions, that's how we engage with God. We're not approaching some kind of royal formal king in that sort of way. We come to a father. The Apostle Paul, we're told, prayed at all times. And I know many of us, that's how we go about our prayer lives. All the time, we're, we're, we're kind of just chattering away to him. Sending an arrow prayer, just nattering away to go, oh, help me with this situation. Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, help me, Lord. Now, some things on your mind, Paul has already referenced this. I, I love this verse. I love it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You know, just bring it to the Lord. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and by thanksgiving, present your request to God. And sometimes the answer will be no. Sometimes the answer will be yes. And sometimes the answer will simply be wait. Pray simply. Someone said, we do not move God by producing an excessive amount of verbiage. Now this is not to say that we shouldn't persevere in prayer. Now it's said of of George Muller, you probably know of him, he's known for his remarkable prayer life and his remarkable life of faith and also for running orphanages in Bristol in the 1800s. And it's said of Muller that he began to pray for the salvation of five personal friends. After five years, one came to Christ. After 10 years, two more came to Christ. After 25 years, the fourth man came to Christ. George Muller prayed for the salvation of the fifth man for the rest of his life for a total of 52 years. The man was not saved until a few months after George Muller's death. 
You know, we are to pray privately, to pray simply, to pray perseveringly. But Jesus also gives us a way in which we are to do this. He gives us a a pattern of prayer. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Jesus here is so practical. And he gives us a, a model of prayer. And he divides it up into three parts. Now, obviously, this is that, that sort of moment when you have that, you need a little bit more time. It's not when you're walking around, you've got the arrow prayer. This is when we're sat, got a little bit more in time, a little bit more time. And he says this, we need to pray about God. This is a very simple pattern. Pray about God, pray about the world, and pray about people. Pray about God first. Verse 9, hallowed be your name. See, Jesus reminds us to begin with God because if we are honest with one another, we would forget about it unless Jesus tells us to do it. Our instincts are to go straight to our own needs. So begin when we come to God in prayer. When you you sit there in the morning or in an evening, you've got got a few minutes just to pray. Begin by worshipping and praising our God. Pray about God, but also pray about the world around us. Verse 9, hallowed be your name, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, pray that God's reign on earth will become a full reality. See, right now we live in the condition that 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 describes. The whole world is under the power of the evil one. We're in a, a spiritual battle. Even though we know he has been defeated at the cross, he is rogue and running riots. That's why our lives are so hard. And yet the hymn writer, William Cowper, says, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees praying. And your will be done. You know, that is a a political prayer. You can't be a citizen of this world and not long for God to take charge. If you and I from, from a distance can see right from wrong and wonder why people in positions of power make such decisions, then imagine how God must feel. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So pray then about God first. Then pray about the world. Finally, pray about people. Pray about our needs. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Pray about our sins and relationships. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts or trespasses as we also have forgiven our debtors or people who trespass or sin against us. Don't you love how well Jesus knows us? You know, he just assumes here, doesn't he, that we're going to mess up. He just assumes that we are sinful. And instead of of sort of hiding that stuff from God, he tells us to bring it straight to him. Bring your worst to God, he says. Tell him everything. He's not shocked. He knows anyway. And he's ready to forgive. C.H. Spurgeon said, There is mercy for a sinner, but there is no mercy for the person who will not own themselves a sinner. Pray also for protection. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, Jesus is obviously not saying here that God tempts us. Rather, that we need to pray for strength to resist temptation. The truth is, it's a daily struggle for all of us. See, this this prayer brings 
all of our life under God. And you'll notice that it's meant to be prayed with others. The words are in the second person, like our Father and so on. So pray in secret, but also pray with others. It's why whenever, whenever we gather together as Christians, what do we do? We pray. Pray in private. Pray simply. Pray perseveringly. Pray about God. Pray about the world. Pray about people. And pray with others. And then there's one more thing. Now you'd expect Jesus to finish his teaching on prayer by saying, now that's, now that's, how, that's how you pray. But you notice that he doesn't do that? Did you notice that? He finishes actually with a very interesting statement, a surprising statement I would suggest. Verse 14, let me read it to you. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now what on earth is that about? See, it's a variation on the same theme that Jesus has been talking about throughout his sermon. He's saying, don't be hypocrites. Let your inside match your outside. See, Jesus, Jesus wants us to pray, but this prayer can and must spill into the reality of our lives and change everything. And forgiveness is one of those things that we all struggle with. It gets right under our skin. Jesus knows that. That's why he lands on it. He knows that if you fail to forgive or we fail to forgive, that will hold us back in terms of our growing relationship with Christ. That's why John Bunyan said, you are not a Christian if you are not a praying person. Because the reality is, it's only through prayer that God changes things. It's through prayer that God will soften our hearts and enable us to do those hardest things like forgive. Do you want to battle? Do you want to really battle your sin as you go into 2024? I'm 53 years old now. I always feel like it's time. For myself, I had a little bit more extra time this morning. I was really conscious of the fact that I was going to preach on this. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I really, I put the, side, the time aside this morning. Everyone had left the home. And I sat on my knees. I thought, come on, Johnny. Stop messing about. Before I know it, I'll be lying on my deathbed. How much longer do I need to carry on playing at this? Do you want to battle your sin, Johnny? Do you want to grow, brother and sister, as a Christian? And pray. Do you want to see your friends converted? Pray. Do you want to see God at work in your life? Do you want to see the power of God at work in this, in this area of Forward and Sheffield? Then pray. Are you struggling to forgive someone? Pray. Will it make that much difference if you don't pray? Absolutely, brother and sister. 
Prayer is the engine room of your life. Yes, it's full of mystery. Will it make that much difference if we as a church don't pray? Absolutely. This is the engine room of this church's life. This is and through prayer that you see power. Power through the gospel to impact your life, to impact the lives of other people, to impact this world around us, to impact our neighborhood and our friends. So let me say, let me plead with you. Oh, for our Father's glory, not our own, let us be a people, a people of prayer. Amen. Well, the prayer meetings begin tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m. They're in person. You can come across the road at the church center in the lounge there, also online. And then tomorrow evening, 7.30 p.m. And they're going to be running weekdays. Starts tomorrow for three weeks. And then on Wednesday evening, we have the church family prayer. It's here on Wednesday. Starts at 8 p.m. and will be finished by 9.15 p.m. Well, let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you that it's your way of leading and guiding us. We thank you that through the mystery of your providence that you have ordained it, that your people should pray and engage with you. And Lord, we're hungry to know you in a deeper way and to be the people you would have us be. I pray, Lord, that you would give us an appetite for you this year, that 2024 would be a significant year for each one of us individually and for us as a church as we learn to depend on you in a greater and more real way. Hear our heart cries and our prayers, we ask. Amen.